0: So this last week, I was working in Rising Star, Texas. And if you don't know where that is, you're missing out because it's in the middle of nowhere between Abilene and Brownwood, like right there in Nowhere Land. And uh, I was there working a program for Mighty Oaks Warrior Programs, which is my other job. And this specific location is a, is a new ranch that we've partnered with. And while I was there, I was asking questions, trying to get to know people, new faces. And I learned some things about the owner of this ranch, Miss Patty. That's a good Texas gal's name, right? And Miss Patty uh, would tell me that her husband, Woody, um, over the course of his life, would earn this and amass this large fortune. They'd buy this massive cattle ranch and uh, open up a classic car museum and do all these great things over the course of his life. But what Woody knew was that um, all of his money that he had earned in life was only temporary. And that more than that, it is the Lord's for him to steward for his glory. And so this was really Woody's heart. But uh, Woody would um, die kind of before seeing a lot of that vision realized. And so Miss Patty, his wife, would take this vision and realize this dream. Um, She would begin to look for organizations that were gospel-centric, and legacy impacting, and she ran across mighty Oaks and um man I remember hearing about the first conversation Miss Patty had with our organization, and she she basically told us, "Look whoever you bring and whatever it costs, I'll take care of it and I cannot tell you the um impact that's made um, what Miss Patty cares about in life is that our Active duty personnel, our veterans, and our first responders hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and she put her money where her mouth was. Right, she didn't just profess it, but she loves Jesus. And we got to see one of those kingdom seeds uh, grow into uh, grow into a harvest when one man stood up and he said, "I am following Jesus. I don't want to live in my sin anymore. I need freedom. I need forgiveness." And he said, I'm no longer a man that identifies simply as a cop, but a child of God. And all God's people said, amen. Yeah, Miss Patty got to see this. And Miss Patty has supported the mission to see our nation's heroes um, come to Christ. And she did this by participating in the, in the work of sowing kingdom seeds through her generosity and proclamation of the gospel. So in our text this morning, we see this like similar picture As Jesus moves from place to place in Galilee proclaiming the kingdom of God with the twelve and many women of the faith who supported in this mission of kingdom sowing through their proclamation, participation, and generosity. I think it's important we take a moment to pause because I don't want you to miss it as we go through the text. But Luke's doing something specific here in verses 1 through 3 in highlighting a specific group of people. He's highlighting these great Christian women of the faith for a purpose. And I think there's a lot of times we feel like when we're in the church, man, like we're marginalized maybe or we don't matter. We hear one group of people talked about more than others. and, And I want you to know the heart of Christ is for you. And we see it in his word as he paints these pictures for us. And gives us these examples of how he's engaging the world for his glory. And he does this with women. So my hope for us this morning is that as we seek to understand more of the mission of God. That we would follow this beautiful example set for us by Christ. The twelve. And specifically we'll look at the example set by these great women of the faith. So look with me at verse 1. We'll start there of Luke 8. As we see that kingdom growing or kingdom sowing begins with gospel participation. It says this. Afterward, he was traveling. Jesus was traveling from one town and village to another. Preaching and telling the good news of the kingdom of God. Let's pause for a sec. This verse right here. I don't think there is a better summary statement of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Before his death, before his resurrection, what was he doing? This is what he was doing. Going from place to place throughout um, the promised land, preaching and telling the good news of the kingdom of God. If you remember last week, Pastor Stephen preached from Luke chapter 7. If your Bibles are open there, you can kind of skim over it as I'm talking through basically 40 verses 40 through 50. And it tells of this story of Christ forgiving this woman who had come to him broken and weeping at his feet. That she was she knew her sin, that she was aware of her rebellion. And so she sought forgiveness at the feet of Christ as she wept and anointed his head with oil and poured perfume over his feet. This This heart of need, brokenness, and a contrite heart were before her. And Jesus forgave her the text says and so it's after this gospel picture or example of the gospel played out in life that we come to luke chapter 8 with this really this hinge selection of hinge verses that sets up christ's parabolic ministry where he begins to tell parables and and uh, lead people that way as he has just ended an aspect of his ministry of healing and casting out demons and doing these great things in the kingdom of God. And so uh, in Luke 8, we're told that Christ continues in this mission throughout Galilee, preaching and telling this good news. So what was Christ proclaiming? What is this like good news, right? I think that's a natural question we can come to in the text. And I think if we strip it all down to its base layer, what is Christ proclaiming? He's proclaiming forgiveness of sins. He is proclaiming that he makes what is wrong right, that he makes crooked sticks straight, that he brings peace with God, uh, with man who are enemies of him. Like this is his work. This is what he's proclaiming. And the beauty of the kingdom of God, church, is that in the kingdom there is forgiveness. In the kingdom there is righteousness that is unattainable any other way. Praise be his name. Amen. So as Christ moves from town to town and village to village, he does so with great diligence. And he is bringing with him forgiveness and redemption and restoration even so, we know as we read the Gospels that he's not always received the same way, right? Even though Christ is bringing forgiveness of sins, that he's casting out demons and healing broken bodies and raising the dead to life like he did in Luke 7. Earlier in Luke 7, Jesus is not always received well. I mean, in this text I just talked to you about right before Luke chapter 8, you have two people. Who receive Christ differently. You have some responding to Jesus like the woman who was humbled and broken, recognizing her need. And you have Simon the Pharisee who was appalled at the compassion Jesus showed this sinner. And it doesn't matter the kind of reception when we look at the Gospels. What I want you to glean from these texts is that humanity's unbelief does not hinder the work of Christ humanity's rejection of Jesus does not hinder the work of Christ when you proclaim what God has done and you are rejected it does not hinder what God does in a heart and so we can with confidence Rest assured that as J.C. Ryle once said about Jesus, that Jesus is about his Father's work. The work of kingdom sowing. But kingdom sowing requires of us proclamation first. We have to speak just as Christ spoke. And verse 1 should serve as an example for all of Christ's followers. As we have been forgiven adopted and transformed, we are then to, like Christ, go and proclaim Christ and the forgiveness of sins that he alone can provide. We are to participate in gospel proclamation regardless of how we are received by others also. And I think for many of us, we have this great fear of rejection from our fellow man. That would hinder us to entering into this space to tell and preach the goodness of Jesus to them. And it cripples us. You might think, well, I don't know enough things about the Bible. What am I to say? You say what you know. I remember witnessing this when uh, I had an opportunity to lead this guy to the Lord. His name's Big Mike, is what we call him, big old machine gunner. And, uh, man, Mike would look at his friend and be filled with compassion for his friend and realize like, man, he needs what I got. (laughs) And he had this much Jesus y'all like this much of the gospel. And he went to that other guy and he told him this much. And that other guy came to Christ because what he had received from Jesus was what saved him. And what saved him is what he stood in. And what he stood in, he proclaimed to others. And man, God did the work in the heart behind the scenes, the things that we can't do. We don't have the power to convince people into heaven, to convince people out of hell. All we have the power to do is to open our faces and proclaim the goodness of Jesus. And that's what we're called to do. That's how we're called to participate. And we can be confident that whatever reception we receive does not hinder the work of Christ in the world. The way we engage in kingdom sowing begins with proclamation of the good news of Jesus. This was Christ's ministry, and it is ours as well. It's been given to us. And so there's some ways we do this. We uh, proclaim Christ by remaining on mission in our community, outside these walls. So, we could engage our coworkers, our friends, our families, our neighbors, civil servants. We engage one another even with the gospel of Jesus. I think what's imperative for us, church, is that you don't forget, and I don't forget, that someone once proclaimed that message to us. And the forgiveness of our sins that we've received, if you are in Christ, was proclaimed to you at one time. And if you don't proclaim it to someone else, there's not a shot in the dark. Why do I say that? Because Romans ten seventeen tells us that faith comes by hearing. And hearing through the word of Jesus Christ. I have this aunt, aunt, I don't know however you say it. I have this aunt named Jerry. Jerry Vanetta, And she's not really like a blood relative. But like deeper than blood kind of relative. You know. My mom's best friend growing up. And you know. <laughs> Jerry was born into this wicked. Abusive home. Stories of evil. And wickedness that I've heard. And, uh, you know, she would reciprocate that wickedness with others. And Jerry would <laughs> be in high school uh, selling drugs and and beating up people. I mean, my mom told me the first time she met her, Jerry was literally punching this little girl in the locker. <laughs> like, welcome uh, to Odessa Permian, right? And my mom said... Um, you know, God and her and His providence had put them together on this project on the school newspaper, and like my mom and Jerry are like staunchly contrasted, right? Like they are the opposite ends of the spectrum. But Jerry's situation man it just my, it filled my mom up with compassion for her, and my mom would begin to proclaim the goodness of Christ to exemplify the goodness of Christ to Jerry. And one day she would even invite Jerry to church, which was crazy, right? And Jerry said, I ain't going to that. I ain't doing that. And she said, I'll tell you what, I will sit on the steps of the church. And if you come in, you come in. If you don't, you don't. But I will be there. So Jerry, I find out later, would spend that evening, the next 30 minutes, doing circles around the church looking to see if she would get up and walk off. And my mom sat there, firm in her faith, firm in her belief that the Lord was coming for, for Jerry. <laughs> and she, as Jerry took each circle around that block, man, her heart would soften more and more as the Lord would minister to her. And she parked that car and she went inside with my mom And she heard the gospel proclaimed and she responded in repentance and faith. And like there's this beautiful testimony of a changed legacy from a family as a result of that gospel proclamation. And so let us resolve, right? Like those are stories that are so common when we walk out our faith. Let us resolve to participate in this work through simply proclaiming the good news. You don't have to have every answer. You just need to proclaim Christ and the forgiveness of sins. Let us resolve to participate in kingdom sowing by serving. You know, Luke, he specifically points out the involvement of the 12 and these specific women who were alongside Jesus serving and proclaiming And we've been given this great example of women of the faith who have been forgiven and healed and restored, who had then resolved to participate in Christ's good work. And they would remain in that good work of service to Christ from the point of their forgiveness and then into glory. So we're given three specific examples of ladies here in the text. Mary Magdalene, Susanna, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod Steward. So we don't know, other than being mentioned here in the text, anything about Susanna other than what the Scripture says. She was either healed of an evil spirit or healed of sickness. But Mary and Joanna, we see again and again and again and again in Scripture. So let's just take a walk through um, the book of Luke and then in Acts. Luke twenty-three forty-nine is the next place we see these ladies. It reminds us that these women stood at the cross and watched Jesus die when it says, But all who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. These women would participate through proclaiming and serving from that point here in Galilee into standing at the foot of the cross, watching their Savior do what He said He would do. They were there. And then we see Him again in Luke 24.10, just a page over, as Luke explains that Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women went with them to anoint the body of Christ with perfumes and oils. As Jesus was put in a tomb, they would go and and professing and and acting out their love for Jesus, go and anoint his body with perfumes and spices. But when they got there, they found something—something something was awry—and he guesses that the tomb was empty. <laughs> and in Luke twenty-four ten, it says that they went off telling the apostles these things. What were they telling? Friday dead. Sunday risen, and this is what they're telling the apostles that Christ has risen, and then they show up again in Acts 13 31 The same group when it says that Christ appeared for many days to those who came up with him from Galilee Luke chapter 8 1 through 3 to Jerusalem who are now his witnesses to the people So these women of the faith what Luke is doing is he is showing the world, why these women are legitimate witnesses to what Christ has done. Because in this time and day and age, um, women were not regarded as legitimate witnesses. And so Luke here, motivated by what Christ has taught and proclaimed, by the stories he's been told by the apostles as he's inspired by the holy spirit to watch this gospel is tracking just how god himself has legitimized an illegitimate person not what they could do but what god did and so he records and and he shows how these women of faith are treasured witnesses of the work of christ in the world as then the church in acts would expand across the roman empire Christ did not come just to set free a Jewish man, but he came into the world for all to know him, to know him and to proclaim him and to serve him. So church, let us follow their example as we serve one another. At Christ Community Church, man, we often say about members is that every member is a missionary and a minister. And we've discussed proclaiming the gospel. That's, this is a missionary type of work. But we also must engage in service or ministry. So serving in your church can look like many different things. It can look like taking a meal to a family who just had a newborn baby. I already saw this week as I was at Mighty Oaks uh, across the social media empire. There was a meal train being sent out for a new baby in this family uh, that this baby was born to of our church serving and ministering to one another. It could look like um, serving the next generation a children's church as you proclaim what was once proclaimed to you as maybe when you were a child. It could look like um, serving on a hospitality team, making this church feel more and more like home for outsiders. It could be taking care and tending to one another by providing a young married couple who just had a couple of babies an opportunity for you to babysit for them to go out on a date because they ain't been on a date since they had a baby and they won't ask. I'm telling you as someone who knows (laughs) they won't ask. And so one way you could serve is say, Hey, will you you let us watch your kids and so that you and -and so-and-so can go on this date. You might even be propelled to pay for that date. I don't know. Um, But those are some things you can do. Another way you can serve is, by mourning with those who are hurting in our church. We're ministering to each other. We're praying fervently for one another. or simply listening and speaking the truths of God's word to each other. Maybe it's being present at a playground. Or stopping by someone's work to encourage them. When you, they've told you last week in discipleship group how awful of a time they're having at work. Man, it... It is so many things, but we minister to one another here at Christ Community Church. I mean, I could probably just open the floor and do one of those testimonial things and y'all just come up and start talking, but we won't do that because I've seen that go bad, right? (laughs) But we are not only church to minister to one another, are we? We're to also minister to our community and our city. I mean, that could look like engaging them at Purser Park or here at the YMCA or serving families in crisis, or maybe it's having a Bible study with the men and women under your command. We participate in kingdom sowing through both proclaiming and serving. But there's one more example that these great women of the faith give us to follow, and that is this, that kingdom sowing also requires generosity. Look at the end of verse 3. It says this about the ladies that they were supporting them from their own possessions. I'll never forget the phone call I received a year ago (laughs) from my school saying, uh, yeah, you uh, ran out of money. Uh, You're not going to be able to finish school. I'm like, at the end. You mean I ran out of money? I called the VA, and they're like, yeah, you've exhausted all of your educational benefits. I was like, oh, man, (laughs) that's a lot of school to do that, right? and i'm sitting there and i'm discouraged and feeling frustrated like how do i make this work how does this finish how do i finish i'm um, getting trained to be a better pastor and a better preacher and a bre- and a better counselor and all these things right and i get this phone call from this family and uh they said hey um recently we heard about your school situation and what we want to do is we want to give you a gift uh, so you can continue your education because we are affirming your calling. And, I man, I got that gift, and it was, like, exactly what I needed to keep going. And they even called again later and said, hey, do you still need help? Did the VA re- resolve whatever issues? Because I was able to get the VA to... Continue to pay and finish out this thing for me. Um, But I just remember going from discouragement to encouraged, from feeling despair to hope that this was really God's thing calling for my life and that He would make a way. He was going to. If He wanted me to get trained more that way, He was going to do it. And He did. And that came, though, through generosity. I don't finish unless that person is generous. Or at least I get prolonged quite a while. And verse 3 tells us that about these women, not only were they supporting the ministry of Christ through participation, but they were also supported him through their own possessions. Church, one marker of worship and obedience and gratitude to God is generosity. And when we understand that our material resources are a gift from God to be stewarded for His glory, We are more likely to be moved by compassion and love to others with those gifts from God. J.C. Ryle once said, True love will count it a pleasure to give anything to the object loved. But false love will often talk and profess much, but do and give nothing at all. Luke 10. 27, Jesus tells us after being asked by this lawyer, um, how can he inherit eternal life? And Jesus' response to him would be, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. You shall love your neighbor as yourselves. And so it's clear to me that these women of the faith, they counted it the supreme pleasure of their lives to give whatever they had to the object of their love, which was Christ. Not to just profess it, but to with action be generous. They truly loved Jesus. You can see it in these little three verses. I mean, just think for a second about Mary Magdalene. What does the text say about her? That she had seven demons in her? Casted out by who? By who, church? Jesus. Could you imagine the bondage? in the misery of her life as she is oppressed in this way. And Jesus enters into this space and frees her. What great love that she would reciprocate based on what Christ had shown her. And she would go walk with him through Galilee till he finished his ministry. She would walk with him until she saw him hung on a cross and killed for her. She would then watch him rise again from the grave and spend time with him in his glorified state on the earth. She would watch him one day ascend to the right hand of the Father in Acts 1. like. And she would do whatever to participate, whether it's... In serving or proclaiming. But also with generosity. Like I want to see this kingdom work. That freed me. Free others. Motivated by love for God. She would do great things. That we just read past. And miss. Right. They wouldn't just profess. Love. But would with action be generous. They truly love Jesus. And the kingdom sowing that took place was fueled by that love and generosity. So just as Christ moved from town to town proclaiming the good news of the forgiveness of sins, as are we commanded to go into the world with the same mission that we've been given from our Father in heaven. And one of my favorite things about our church is that we are a passionate people about this kingdom work. Are we not? We have part- financial partnerships with missionary organizations and church planting networks that commission and equip new churches all over the world. They send missionaries out to these unreached people groups that would never be touched with the gospel. Like This is work that you are engaged in when you give here. We even have uh, one group called uh, Texas Baptist Men, I think, who provide relief after natural disasters occur, and they do so more than any other organization, I believe, in the world in this way, even more than FEMA. Like, these are the partnerships that we have at Christ Community Church. And, but not only on this, like, grandiose scale do we partner in this way with generosity, but also as a church in Harker Heights. We use your generosity to minister and engage the people of this city. So what is my prayer for you? What is my prayer for myself? Is that we would view what God has given us through the lens of love and gratitude to Christ. And that it would propel us to this deep desire to engage in this kingdom work, specifically at Christ Community Church in Harker Heights, Texas. And that we would be a people that don't simply profess love, but would participate in gospel proclamation in gospel service, and in generosity to both our church and our city. Because every gift that we give towards this mission is used to fuel and fund kingdom sowing in our city and in our nation and in the world for the glory of God. Amen. Let's stand and pray.